0: Chapter 15, Max, Sunday, May 24th. For the first time in a while, I don't dream. I wake feeling fully rested to see the sun peeking through the windows, and I almost forget where I am for a moment. I doubt the reality of my sleeping situation when I look down and see this beautiful girl still fast asleep on my chest. I don't want to taint the perfection of my reality, but I know we need to get going with our day. I look down at her and gently move away the strand of hair that fell over her face. I study her features, the curve of her nose, the bow-like shape of her just-full-enough lips, the soft yet defined jawline. I sneak another kiss to her forehead, and as I remove my lips, she begins to wake up. At first, she's calm, but then immediately sits up to say, "'Oh, um, crap, I, uh, didn't mean to fall asleep. I'm, uh, sorry.' I sit up slowly as to not cause myself to go dizzy again and say gently, It's fine. I enjoyed it. I mean, I was comfortable and fell asleep too. She shoots me a worried glance, so I assure her, Really, Skylar, I was more than okay with the sleeping situation. She begins to relax and jokingly says, I hope I didn't drool on you. She wipes at her face. I laugh slightly and am reminded of my sore ribs. I have to grab my side and Skylar says, Crap, see, I'm sorry, hold on, I'll find that pain medicine. I immediately release my side and force myself to forget the pain. No, you're fine. I muster a smile and say, I'm fine, everything's fine, I just, it just caught me off guard. Just then my dad walks in the room and sarcastically says, Max, did you hurt yourself again? Oh, you know, just old injuries, I say lightly. Do you have that Vicodin? Yep, let me grab it. How did you do with it? Do you want half or one? I fell asleep, so I'm not sure. I'll just stick with half for now. Don't want to pass out and make you two carry me again. He jokes back, you're a lot heavier than you look. Tension builds in the room as I switch the conversation back to serious matters. What were you doing last night? I heard you messing around with papers most of the night. Oh, I was just as he walks out of the room. He comes back a few seconds later and hands me the pain pill and continues. I was looking over some of the paperwork I have. Nothing seems to make much sense. He looks puzzled as he starts to say, but I was doing a little research on what's going on around us. I've been watching out the windows. After we got here, I wanted to make sure we were alone. I saw a few of those indignant folks walking around a few houses down. Every so often, I would go check to see where they went or if they were still there. But for a while, they would wander around and aimlessly start beating random objects, cards, mailboxes, front doors, whatever they could. But then, when the sun went down and nightfall hit, they became much less aggressive, almost like they were dormant. My need for water breaks his deliberation slightly as I click the recliner back into its upright position and stand up. He continues, so I try to be quiet as I scour the room for a bottle of water to take my pain reliever. Skylar reads my mind and hands me a bottle. I know this sounds crazy, but I think whatever drives them to act so violent escapes them at night. I don't know if it's like an internal clock type thing or temperature change or something to do with sunlight or their vision. I haven't figured that out yet, but I feel like this is a step closer to figuring out what we're up against. Okay, so let me see if I'm following here. The clan of pissed off people who wish to beat us to death go into a slumber at nightfall? Well, I haven't seen them actually lay down and take a nap. I'm just saying, they aren't as aggressive at night. As soon as the sun came up this morning, I saw them start to get more destructive and hostile. I let this sink in for a minute. An alarming question that I'm not really sure why just now hits me and comes to mind. Well, what's stopping us from turning into one of those people? I mean, look around. We can't be the only sane people left on this planet. Either we're complete savages or we run around in black uniforms shooting at people and taking them hostage. Trust me, Max, this isn't the first time I've thought about this. I don't know what's setting us apart from the others, but I'm sure glad for whatever it is. I do know whatever we do, we shouldn't drink or even let the tap water touch us. The reports I read stated whatever was being manufactured in our lab was being dumped into the water supply. I look down at the bottle of water in my hand and examine the contents. My dad cuts my thoughts off as if reading my mind. I feel confident that the bottled spring water will be fine for consumption. I doubt that they had the authority or power to go all the way to whatever that spring water is from and contaminate it without someone stopping them. Oh, and well, water should be fine. Another reason we need to get to the cabin sooner than later. A hot shower would be nice. Skyler becomes alert and says, Have you checked the TV? "'Yeah, last night I tried, but all the lines are down, just static.' "'Maybe,' she says as she starts fumbling through her backpack. "'Ah, here it is,' she says while holding up her cell phone. "'I joke and say, you need to make a status update or something?' "'Very funny, Max, but maybe social media feeds will load from prior to everything shutting down.' "'We checked earlier, remember?' Yeah, well, it's worth a try, right? Maybe the old feeds will load. My dad speaks up and says, yeah, I actually hadn't thought of that. Good thinking, Skye. It annoys me a little when my dad calls her Skye, because it sometimes reminds me of the nightmare I had in the woods where her accomplice called her Sky. But maybe it's not the name itself, just the fact that he feels comfortable enough to have a nickname for her. I want a nickname-type relationship with her, too. I begin to feel like a toddler who doesn't want to share. It's my dad and it's Skylar. I don't need to feel jealous. I think the battery died. It usually stay on for a couple of minutes before dying again. We all huddled together to try and look at the small cell phone screen. The welcome greeting song plays as the phone boots up. My palms begin to sweat as I think about whatever may be looming around social media. Has the whole world become corrupted or just our state? Did people make it a point to post an update that they were turning into crazy people? Are there others out there in our position? Before I can think anything else, her phone beeps loudly and a message flashes across the screen. Emergency alert system, a rapid pandemic has flushed through our nation and we are ordering all people capable of reading this message to immediately report to your local health department, hospital, or police station. A vaccination will be given as a proper immunization protocol against this virus. Please refrain from contact with any person experiencing erratic behavior or those in lethargic or comatose conditions. As soon as she... Finish reading the message out loud. Her phone powers down. That was it. We're all quiet for a moment until Skylar speaks up. Lethargic? Comatose? What? So we should go, right? To get the shot and be safe? I look from Skylar's questioning face and turn to my dad. I don't think he realizes, but he's caressing his chin with his hand in a very deep thought process. I interrupt him by saying, Dad? He pauses for a minute. I don't think that was legit. He stops for another second and begins again. I mean, obviously, it was a legit message, but I don't think it's what it seems to be. The message was sloppy, not as professional as the alerts typically are. I think it's a ploy to get the unaffected to target areas to do what they please with them. And the more I think about it, why hasn't the alert broadcasted on TV? Maybe the cell towers are easier or easier to breach. I challenge his theory by saying, or the person who wrote the alert was in a hurry, considering all around us there's a logical excuse for all of those scenarios. He rubs his forehead as if it helps him think, I'm not buying it. Whoever is responsible for the epidemic, the shootings, Wiley's abduction, I think that's who made this message. And the whole lethargic thing? What is that? The only people we've seen have been deranged. Hearing Wiley's name cuts deep and the guilt I feel for his abduction grows. I know we can't be far from where everything happened and if I could only convince them to stay here another night, maybe I could leave at night and get him. I'll complain my head and body aren't feeling well enough for travel yet. I have to do something or I won't be able to live with myself. And with the new knowledge of the people being less angry at night, I might have a better chance. Skylar speaks up again and says, Well, we really haven't seen too many people, so who knows what all reactions are have happened. I say, Right. In agreement, I turn to my dad and say, So what should we do then, Dad? I don't know yet. I need to think for a little bit. Perfect timing. Well, it may not be too bad of an idea to wait to leave here until tonight, I suggest. That way, when we leave, those things outside won't be so mad, might give us safer travels. I say this out loud with the intention of canceling our plan at the last minute by way of headache and postponing until just before dawn. That should give me plenty of time to sneak out while they're asleep. I'm going after Wiley. I want to include them in on this, but I know neither one of them would go through with it. Skylar might, but I don't want her to risk getting hurt again over my mistake. I feel uneasy with the uncertainty of how far this plague has stretched, and now with my head filled with my dad's disbelief of the message, I can't help but wonder who's in control and why. My dad replies, Yeah, we should probably take the day to get things in order and rest up for tonight. I'm going to look through the paperwork again to see if I can uncover anything I missed. He points to the counter. There's some breakfast over there. Not much to choose from, but at least we won't go hungry. Make sure you're only drinking bottled drinks. Whatever you do, stay away from the tap. Skylar and I munch out on the food that my dad found in the kitchen. We joke about our gourmet selection and take turns sharing. She hands me her other Pop-Tart, and for a second I forget about how horrible the world has become and enjoy the carefree time I'm lucky enough to spend with her. We finish eating, and I gather the rest of what remains. I tell her, Let's split this between our backpacks for later. Good idea. I'll go grab them. She pulls the backpacks onto the couch, and I start finding places to stash the food inside. A pack of crackers here, a granola bar there. She's kneeling on the couch, holding the backpacks open as I stand next to the arm on the side facing her. I finish and we both look up at the same time making eye contact. My eyes retract from hers to the horrible bruise on her cheek. She must have noticed the movement of my eyes and facial expression when she says defensively, ''Is it that bad?'' I immediately say, ''It's just I feel so responsible for it. I feel horrible. You have no idea how bad I feel. I'm sorry.'' I reach out and place my hand on her cheek slightly. She closes her eyes and moves her hand up to hold my hand against her face. The warmth of her touch surges through my body. I can't help myself when I take my free hand and place it on the other side of her face, below her chin, against her neck. I don't think. I just do. I do what my body aches for. I lean down and inch my face closer and closer to hers, just stopping as our noses touch. I slide my hand further around the back of her neck to grasp her. I feel her breath against mine growing unsteady. I don't know what she's thinking. I can only wish I knew. The only thing I know right now is the intense desire I have to press my lips against hers. My heart sputters and I can't fight the the urge any longer. I do what I've wanted to do for so long. She kisses me back, slowly at first and then more passionately. Every inch of my body surges and awakens with desire. I take one hand and put it on the small of her back to bring her closer to me. I feel her delicate hands on me too, reaching up on my neck to pull me closer. She brings one hand up and runs it deeply through my hair. The way her lips fit effortlessly against mine only makes me believe that we were meant to be together. I have to pull myself away to allow us to catch our breaths. I rest my forehead against hers and savor the moment. Somehow, still lavender. Max, you just, you just can't do that, she says as she pulls completely away. Are you telling me that you didn't want that, Skylar? My feelings and ego are a little crushed. I was under the impression that we were having a mutual connection, especially the way she kissed me back. You just shouldn't. I just shouldn't have. I can't. She doesn't finish as she gets up to walk away. You need to tell me what I did wrong, Skylar. Don't just walk away. I begin to grow frustrated and raise my tone. You have to let your guard down. Please, just let me in. She turns around with tears welling in her eyes. She musters, I can't, Max. I can't even see straight. I'm so aggravated. Here I am about to pour my heart out to this girl, and she basically shuts me out completely. Typical Skylar. She doesn't care who she hurts, as long as she's the one calling the shots. I grab my backpack and gun off the coffee table and shout, Fine, push me out, and I'll be gone. I walk to the back door. We entered through yesterday and turn the handle. A small part of me tries to talk myself out of leaving, but the majority of myself is saying now or never. I turn the handle and walk out into the world. The humidity smacks me right in the face and reminds me of the ever changing weather this time of year. I slam the door shut, and before anyone can stop me, I take off running.